The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Uh, I want to welcome everybody to the show today which is being brought to you in part by Celgene and uh, Azi. Well, certainly tis the season for, for cold and flu and fatigue and uh, lots of those winter uh, ailments. And today we'll be talking about specific challenges uh, that cancer patients face during the winter season. Um, you know, the holiday, winter, New Year's, everything in between can be hectic and exhausting for just about anyone. But cancer patients uh, face the added pressures and demands of treatment, of cancer fatigue, uh, as well as the possibility of catching a cold or flu at a time when there are immune system uh, very well may be in a weakened state. So this time of year can become overwhelming, and we're hoping that today's show uh, uh, will help to offer some tips and advice for patients and their caregivers to make the winter season a little bit easier. Um, Cancer-related fatigue is one of the most common side effects of cancer and its treatment. Uh, We know it occurs sometimes up to 96% of people with cancer, especially those receiving treatment. Fatigue is uh, categorized as, as uh, it's different from being tired. It's really a lack, a daily lack of energy and an excessive uh, sort of a whole body tiredness that's not relieved or alleviated by sleep. And it, it can certainly prevent you from functioning normally. It can get in the way of things you uh, enjoy doing. Um, it, it's not predictable by what kind of cancer you have or what treatment you're getting or stage of illness. It sometimes can come on suddenly, and, and uh, uh, it's, it's not the kind of tired that results from activity or exertion. Uh, and and as I said, not really relieved by rest or sleep and stress, um, particularly that can come from all these, you know, we've all been involved in these all crazy holiday activities can certainly uh, worsen the feelings of fatigue. And, and winter also certainly means cold and flu season. The CDC Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta estimates that as many as one in five Americans get the flu each year and more than 200,000 on average are hospitalized because of it. And the season peaks in, in, in January and February. Cancer patients and survivors are you know, at a higher risk for complications from the flu and, and, and sometimes do end up in the hospital. So what, you know, what can we do to manage the aftermath of holiday stress 
when you're faced with a cancer diagnosis and, and what can we do to keep yourselves healthy uh, by remaining cold and flu-free. Um, uh, we say your treatment hasn't taken a holiday for the holidays. So to share some valuable guidance and advice and to help you stay healthy this season, we've got some wonderful guests joining us to answer questions regarding uh, some of these special considerations for patients, survivors, and caregivers during the cold flu and, and now this post-holiday season. So in the next hour, you'll be hearing from two guests about how to cope with the stresses the season brings. First, I'd like to introduce Alice Beers, who works as a clinical nurse educator at the Lombardi Cancer Center at Georgetown University Hospital. She's worked as an oncology nurse for 29 years in the inpatient and outpatient settings. Welcome, Alice. Thank you. Also joining us today is our program director at our affiliate in Gildas, uh, Gildas Club Metro Detroit, Michelle Warren. Michelle joined Gildas Club 10 years ago and works with kids, teens, families, and young adults who are facing a cancer diagnosis. Thanks for being here, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Ken. So, uh, you know, let, let, let's jump in because we do have a lot to cover um, on the show today. So, uh, Michelle... Tell us about some, uh, you know, our, our, our members there in, in, in Gildas, Trub, Gildas Club Detroit. What is their experience of um, um, following the holidays? What are some of the challenges they face as we get into this uh, kind of January and winter season? Um, what's been your experience there? Well, actually, you touched on a few of them. Um, fatigue definitely would be a, a major concern for a lot of our members the desire to do as much as they can during the holidays and not only to help prepare but help to celebrate during the holidays can have a huge impact on their immune systems that are already being compromised from treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, also, being exposed to family members and friends that they maybe haven't seen a whole lot during the course of the year and some of those people maybe not understanding that having something that could seem rather benign like a flu you know, it's not really that impactful for the average population, although it can be extremely serious. But for somebody going through chemotherapy or radiation, it can be really devastating. And yeah. at a minimum, take a lot longer for them to recover from that. And right. Also, and I, yeah, go ahead. yeah. Go ahead, please. And there also is a, um, after the holidays, we tend to see a risk or a um, heightened level of depression for some of our members with that holiday season ending and people kind of going back to their day-to-day life and many of these people having to go back to treatment can, can be very um, a very difficult time of year for them. Yeah, yeah, and I know a lot of folks get those uh, those winter blues, but I imagine if you're going through a, a cancer diagnosis, can, the, the, that experience can perhaps be even more um, more intense. So, Michelle, what do you tell folks now? And now, now that we're through the holidays, what are some of the ways that they can, um, you know, manage manage the blues, manage some of that depression that they're feeling, um, you know, and maybe get back on track following the you know the holiday season. All right. I think having some sort of goals set for the new year, you know, having goals is important for all of us and having something like making your house, you know, getting your house back in order, deciding on some sort of fitness goals like at our, our affiliate Gildas Club Metro Detroit, we have things like yoga, Reiki, meditation, so people can either continue on with that if they've taken a break or maybe that can be a goal that they set for themselves in the coming year. Just get, being able to get out, sometimes that can be a huge challenge, especially in states like Michigan where we have such a lack of sunlight. You know, from really now until March, it's uh, pretty gloomy. So mm-hmm. trying to force yourself to get out of the house and having some sort of thing like I'm going to go to dinner with my friends once a week or joining a support group or having some sort of goal beyond going to treatment and checking in with doctors. 
You know, Michelle, I saw a study on the TV the other day that said that uh, in the winter season, uh, 30 minutes of sunlight a day, being out in 30 minutes of sunlight a day can, uh, in some people, have the same effect as um, antidepressive medication. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's helpful for anybody, and wherever you are in your stage, sometimes people can um, take on that they're just going to get out and walk for, you know, whatever pace that you are. But being able to be there, even if there isn't direct sunlight, being able to get some sort of, I hope that there's some sunlight trickling down out there. Yeah, yeah. So even sitting by the window, if you can't get out, sitting by the window on the porch and and out where you can get that uh, the sunlight and the fresh air. And and Michelle, so so if I'm a a friend or loved one, certainly we have lots of caregivers who listen to the show. Um, If I'm a a caregiver, family member, a loved one, um, and I perhaps see my loved one kind of you know getting into this little bit of a post-holiday winter depression, what can I do as a as a caregiver to to help my loved one going through cancer and, and experiencing some of that. All right, that's a great question. Um, I think the, one of the most important things that you can do is to be there to support the person where they are, that they may not be exactly the same as they were prior to the diagnosis. I have um, the unique role of being both a social worker and a daughter of a longtime cancer survivor, mm. and it kind of complicated the role of um, daughter for me when my dad was going through treatment because I also was a social worker, so I was trying to not have both those hats on at the same time, yeah. but for, I think to, you know, being the family member, watching my dad go through it, wanting to kind of encourage him but not push him beyond where he could be, so some days just pulling him into the conversation or encouraging him to read a book to my son at the time when he was really little, you know, that was all he could do, but it was really keeping him you know, focused on the present and what he could do rather than remembering the things that he really wasn't able to do at the time. I think that's great advice, and I think we're going to drill down on some more of that. Let me pull okay. Alice into the conversation here. Um, Alice, as a nurse, um, uh, you know, what, what, what are some of the, the, the tips, advice you have for, for patients to be mindful of during this uh, kind of post-holiday winter season? Well, Kim, both you and Michelle touched on some excellent points, um, trying to look at preventing colds and flu, which I think we'll have the opportunity to discuss a little bit yes, later. Absolutely. Um, I think Michelle's point about taking advantage of the support systems that you have available is, is really important. And for some patients who really never looked at some of the support systems they have available to them, this might be a great time. You know, the New Year's resolution of trying to look um, for new starts in the year. We've got a lot of resources um, available through the cancer support community in the Washington, D.C. area and also in our local institutions that can provide many types of support, whether patients um, choose to seek out the support of another patient sitting in the waiting room or whether they want to look to participating in a group or maybe some individual counseling. Um, Even spiritual support is very important. And I'd like to remind um, patients that this is a time to just sort of pause and take a deep breath and recognize that it's okay to have that letdown in the beginning of the new year that most of us experience. And, you know, for the couple of um, weeks during the winter when it's really tough to get yourself going, just looking at some short-term goals, taking one day at a time is sometimes cliche, but it really can be a very valuable approach, especially during the winter months. And do you see, Alice, uh, that it's, you know, it's, it's um, important for patients during that time to connect with other patients who are, 
who are, are, are having this experience? I mean, do you see, I mean, you're, you know, you're seeing so many patients there every day at Lombardi um, and, and, you know, obviously a great partner of ours. Um, do you see, you know, kind of patients connecting and even supporting one another kind of through the halls of Lombardi there? Absolutely, and you see that type of support occur in all different places, whether it's someone that strikes up a conversation as they're, you know, going to get a glass of water or um, whether people engage in a conversation as they're waiting to see their practitioner or when they're waiting for, um, you know, their car to, you know, to come pick them up after their visit. And I think sometimes, again, patients who may not have really looked for the support of other people going through the same experience, when they do experience those post-holiday blues, this may really be the time for um, them to look for that. And sometimes it's a simple thing as, you know, if you know a particular patient's going through a similar treatment and maybe having a more challenging time, uh, someone who may be a little bit further down the road in their journey who can offer some words of wisdom that really really are unique to the patient going through the experience. Sometimes the healthcare professionals really don't have the same ability to impart. And we're just uh, quickly going to our break here, Alice, but do you see, and, 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 you know, obviously you've had lots of years of clinical practice there, do you see this pattern, a trend of people being a little more blue uh, in the winter months and perhaps needing a little more support and more resources than in other parts of the year? Oh, I think that's absolutely true. I think that's true for all of us, um, yes. you know, both as um, patients going through the experience, as caregivers. I have a, a lo- little bit of a parallel experience as Michelle has had. Um, my dad mm. has had multiple myeloma for the last six years, and mm. um, although he lives close by to me, um, sometimes with everybody's lives getting very busy, you know, especially trying to regroup after the holidays, you have to remind yourself to take time um, yeah. with your family and friends. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking about cancer care in the winter and some of the challenges that folks face in this sort of post-holiday season, uh, those uh, those winter blues when we don't have as much sunlight and, and uh, as much perhaps of an opportunity to, to be outside getting that fresh air and uh, I think people get, uh, get, get a little bit tired, a little bit down uh, in this post-holiday season and we are going to talk about some tips and some ways uh, to manage cancer uh, through these winter months and as we look forward to the spring. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The cancer support community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the cancer support community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. 
I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Genentech and Morphotech. I'm Kim Tebaldo, and today I'm joined by Michelle Warren, the Program Director at our Cancer Support Community Affiliate in Gildas Club Metro Detroit, and Alice Beers, an oncology nurse at the Lombardi Cancer Center at Georgetown University Hospital in Washington, a strong partner of the cancer support community. Uh, we're talking about dealing with the stress and increased risk of potential illness during the winter season, especially for those living with cancer. I mean, you know, we talk about this idea that holidays can cause is certainly fatigue and stress for those who are otherwise uh, healthy, and so for those going through treatment and experiencing cancer fatigue, it can be doubly uh, difficult. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about how to handle uh, the stress and fatigue throughout the season. Um, Alice, uh, uh, you know, again, with your nursing background, what effect does the additional stress of the holiday season uh, have on a cancer patient, particularly a patient who might be in active treatment? I think some of the things that I have seen people go through is that they may have some sense of depression related to how their holiday season went. There is a lot of pressure on someone who has um, a life-threatening illness to make every day count, and sometimes that's tough to meet those expectations during the holidays. And people may feel frustrated that their treatment schedule interrupted plans to visit with family and friends, um, or there were economic pressures that prevented them from doing things during the holiday season that they normally wanted to try to get accomplished. It's very important for people who are going through active treatment to try to remember that having um, cancer and going through treatment is really a full-time job in and of itself. Yeah, and if yeah. you add all of the pressures that a lot of us put on ourselves during the holiday season, um, you've now got two full-time jobs in addition to whether or not you're actually working a full-time job or other family um, responsibilities. So it's really a time for people to try to cut themselves a break because yeah. it's a lot of pressure. The other thing that can be particularly difficult for people is is that the beginning of the year usually means um, new insurance deductibles. Mm-hmm. And so there's that added economic pressure to try to um, really have the financial resources to coming up with co-pays or, or meeting bills at a time where you may still be trying to pay off what you had as far as medical bills from the prior year and also trying to pay off whatever costs you incurred uh, preparing and paying for your holiday celebration. Holiday season, yeah, I think yeah, those are so critical. Very, very tough thing. And I think a lot of us can attest to the fact that sometimes you actually need a vacation from your holiday vacation um, yeah. because even the stress of, um, of traveling um, or trying to make up you know, time from work that you may have missed or, or taking care of other responsibilities um, you know, at home and outside of home can be very difficult for um, people to try to uh, you know, cope with um, in addition to the wintertime, which, as everybody acknowledges, is very difficult as well. 
Yeah. Michelle, I'm sure what Alice is saying is really probably resonating uh, with you. I know you have so many patient survivors uh, coming through uh, coming through your door during this kind of post-holiday uh, uh, post holiday season. Can you tell us what you, you know, observe and, 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 and what folks are suffering through um, in this post-holiday kind of winter season and, and what kind of advice you give them to help them cope with some of these issues? Uh, for sure. We do see a lot of what Alice is um, talking about. We really see that within our community. Um, one of the things we recommend for people to do is to try and do something that's going to help increase that sense of relaxation and help to relieve stress. And people go about that in many different ways. Within our own community, we do offer yoga, tai chi. We have an art workshops, meditation. All of those are at no cost to members. So to not have that additional expense, mm-hmm. you know, when, mm-hmm. just like Alice and you have both touched on, there's so many expenses that are not optional with cancer. You have to pay for treatment. You have co-pays. You have medications, many things to pay for. So to be able to have a community where you can participate these things and help reduce your level of stress and help to elevate your mood is, you know, very much a benefit for our members. And, uh, Michelle, maybe you could just talk a little bit about, I know, you know, um, just for our listeners, uh, you know, we have 57 affiliates across the United States where we're providing uh, many, many free programs. Maybe you could just tell our listeners a little bit about um, the programs that we provide at those 57 sites for not only for patients and survivors, but also for family members and, and, and loved ones. Sure. <laughs> briefly, because I could go on for you know, hours and hours for that, but briefly what we offer, and it's the same, the, the program itself is the same no matter if you're here or if you're in uh, Montana or in California, wherever you go, it's the same program. We offer support groups for people who are diagnosed or their family members and friends. That also includes for children and teens and young adults. We offer workshops, things like yoga, art workshops, um, Tai Chi, different things like that, Uh, lectures. We have a lot of educational programs that include helping um, cope with the cost of care or how to deal with side effects for treatment, um, uh, depression and anxiety that are associated with cancer, so many different things like that. And we also have social events, which in our community in Detroit are very popular, just for people to be around other people who get what it's like to have a cancer diagnosis. We have a lot of people who really, really enjoy that aspect of our program. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and Alice, tell us a little bit about what's going on there, um, uh, you know, at Lombardi, what some of the, the, uh, the programs are that you have for patients. And, you know, and I know you also talked, Alice, and, and, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit more, but just how patients are connecting with one another, you know, I, I, through some programs, but also I think informally uh, while they're waiting for their appointments in the hallways. And, um, and uh, I imagine they're also turning to, 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 to you, to their nurses, to their oncologists, to look for some uh, uh, inspirational words and other tips and advice for not only the medical aspect of their care, but really how to, how to, how to cope with, with cancer, particularly during this season. Taking care of um, people with cancer, actually I'm saying working with them is a partnership, and we get some terrific um, life experience advice from our patients, and hopefully they get some of the same things from us. It's really a challenge to um, continue to encourage people, but really that's one of the things that I know has kept me in oncology nursing um, for almost 30 years is is that really that sense of accomplishment um, and the the life energy that you get from being around people who are going through a life-threatening illness. 
And, you know, we try to remind people of some of the things that they may have um, learned about in the beginning of their diagnosis, but maybe that pamphlet for a particular um, support program got put in a stack with everything else that they were a little bit too overwhelmed to take advantage of. So, you know, we have um, many of the same programs available in our institution, and um, Georgetown is also um, part of a much larger um, health system, and so we actually work with several other um, sister hospitals within our system to share our patient support programs. We have a very active um, art therapy program that actually provides support for patients as well as their caregivers and also the staff um, as caregivers, and so there are lots of activities that we have the opportunity to do together. It's really just continually important to remind people of things that, you know, both of you have talked about already, um, getting out in some sunlight, and sometimes that's tough to do because uh, some of the treatments we give actually can have worsening side effects when people are exposed to the cold. So coming up with creative ideas for people to get out um, into some light and getting some exercise, since exercise is one of the things that really has had some proven benefits as far as dealing with fatigue is concerned. Well, and I think that also, you know, ties in, you know, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about New Year's resolutions, but I think some of that, uh, uh, some of that ties into, uh, ties into that element as well. Um, Michelle, I, um, I imagine that, that, um, uh, sometimes there, there, uh, might be a, an individual who perhaps is, is, is pretty ill from cancer and, and, um, uh, could be the possibility that, that this holiday season may potentially be their last holiday season together with their family. Is that, does that scenario, someone perhaps living with advanced disease or metastatic disease, does that, does that intensify the experience that they're having now or, uh, you know, somehow impact what, what they might be going through? You know, Kim, I think that is a reality for everybody who has a cancer diagnosis, that there's that uh, thought that this could be their last Christmas or their last yeah. Hanukkah. Or, so absolutely that intensifies it. You know, the feelings, the post-holiday blues that many of us experience, it's just magnified by the thought that did I, you know, prepare the meal that my family's going to remember? Did I give the gift? There's just that intensity that maybe wasn't present before. And some of those are real. Some of the people that we come in contact with are living with stage 4 disease where they're, they may be at their end of their life. And then there's other people that it's just having that cancer diagnosis that makes you think, this really could be it. You know, this could be my last time that I'm with my family. So for sure, regardless of where that person is in their journey, it definitely yeah. magnifies that feeling. Yeah. And as we get to the break here, um, uh, Michelle, I know one of the things that we, you know, like to tell people at the cancer support community is to, is to plan for the future. And right. uh, w- whether that's tomorrow or next week or uh, perhaps a May or June graduation coming up, uh, uh, you know, but to plan for that. Is that, um, is that something that you think particularly this time of year can have a positive impact on coping with cancer? Oh, absolutely. I think there's lots that family members and friends can do to help with that by taking some of the stress of maybe the mundane activities like, you know, offering and going over and actually following through to shovel your neighbors, their walk or their driveway, but really probably asking them to make sure you're not offending them as well. But doing things like that that they may not have the energy to do and Mm -hmm. they don't have the energy to do that. They can save the energy for things that are important, like celebrating with their families or preparing for the birthday that's in the spring or 
reading books with their child or their grandchild in the evening and things that really are memory-making instead of, you know, shoveling the front yard. Right. And, and, and just, uh, just quickly, uh, Michelle, you say things that are memory-making. Just talk about that for a minute. Well, you know, that can mean a lot of things to different people, but just things that are not the mundane, things that we know our family members and friends are going to remember about, you know, great-aunt Bessie who used to make the cheese cheese strudel or whatever it is, that mm-hmm. things that really have meaning in families, to spend time on things like that and allow family members and friends to do things like bringing in a casserole, you know, in, the, in January or February or March or whatever month you're dealing with that, they're bringing in food to help you to be able to spend time with your family or they're helping yeah. you with drop-off or pick-up in some, you know, sporting event or right. things like that. Right, yeah, and we certainly know that cancer, uh, you know, what a lot of folks say, hey, you know, cancer was a real wake-up call for me. It made me reevaluate my life and maybe uh, approach some things differently and things that I had been thinking about for a long time, and cancer became the prompt, you know, or the impetus for me to to do that and to make those changes. Uh, This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking about managing cancer through the winter months. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355. Or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. 
Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Millennium and Amgen. I'm Kim Tebaldo, and today I'm joined by Michelle Warren, the Program Director at our Cancer Support Community Affiliate, Gildas Club Metro Detroit, and Alice Spears, an oncology nurse uh, over at Lombardi Cancer Center at Georgetown University Hospital in Washington, D.C. We're talking about tips and advice uh, for our listeners living with cancer, how to make life less stressful, how to stay healthy during the winter season, and also how to be a good, good caregiver uh, to someone with cancer. We've heard suggestions uh, uh, from uh, our guests on how to keep yourself mentally healthy and, 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 and focus on some of those coping skills and the emotional aspects of dealing with cancer through the winter. So now let's turn to the topic of how to stay physically healthy, especially in terms of avoiding the cold and flu, which is something uh, that we all face uh, certainly every, every, every day, every year during the winter months. But when you have cancer, there are additional considerations to keep in mind. So, um, uh, so let's, let's uh, turn to Alice a little bit for some good medical advice, our oncology nurse, for some good medical advice and, and uh, uh, insight. Um, Alice, what should cancer patients and survivors know uh, during the flu season? What are some tips, some practices that they can engage in to, to, to try to keep healthy during this season? Well, I'd like to echo what you said in the beginning of the show, um, Kim, is, is that the flu is something that really is um, very serious. You know, one in five um, can be affected with the flu each flu season. Over 200,000 people are actually hospitalized um, with the flu, and we think of people who have cancer as being especially vulnerable, and that's also true for people when they're survivors. And we also have to remember um, their families at home. They may have small children. They may be caring for um, other family members. So it's not only taking care of themselves, but making sure that other people in their family um, are looking at preventing colds and flu. The CDC actually recommends that everyone over the age of six months get a flu shot. And oftentimes you'll have patients you'll offer a flu shot to, and then you have to say, well, you know, has everybody in your family had a flu shot? Um, mm. You know, here at Georgetown and, and throughout the rest of our health system, we actually have mandatory flu shots for all of the people who were in the care-providing setting because the onus also falls, falls on us to try to not bring flu to our patients. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have to think about that, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But what if, what, so what if... So what if a patient says, I don't want a flu shot. I've never gotten a flu shot. I've heard that you can get the flu from a flu shot. That's a very common um, misnomer. It's actually common among patients and um, healthcare providers as well. That mm-hmm. people say, "No, I'm not getting that flu shot because when I got it last year, the following week I was home in bed, and I w- I'm convinced that I got the flu from that flu shot." Um, first of all, the flu shots actually can't give you the flu. It's it's not a live virus. It's a killed virus. So it's very important to emphasize to people that it is important, and you will always still have resistance um, and. Sometimes, you know, our best efforts are still that you can't convince people to go ahead and get that flu shot, but you also do have to remind them again, peak season is um, during January and February, but the flu season actually extends much longer. The entire flu season usually goes from October, November, actually as far out as May. So people don't realize um, that they're looking at almost half of the year that they could possibly be exposed to the flu. And, you know, again, the onus is on us as healthcare providers to, you know, initiate the discussion about the importance of it. Um, also um, discussing with them whether they also have had a pneumonia um, shot, if they're in the age group or in the risk group, that that's an appropriate thing. And who is that? Who, who should get a pneumonia 
uh, shot, Alice? Well, generally over the people, people over the age of 65, definitely, um, people who may have had a history of prior pneumonia, um, we look at people that are severely immunocompromised as really needing to um, look at those vaccinations. So it's really the, the pivotal part of all of this is making sure that there's a discussion going on um, between the patient, their family, and their healthcare providers. Um, it's really one of those ask your doctor or ask your nurse practitioner or, um, you know, ask your oncology nurse, you know, really what are their recommendations, what are their experiences, and it's just not something that we can sort of presume that they saw the um, the advertisement in their local drugstore or their local supermarket and that they, you know, sort of um, understood the fact that it's important to think about getting a flu shot. And knowing signs and symptoms, um, it's not just a matter of sort of saying, well, you know, I've had a cold that's hung on for too long, yeah. um, but really understanding that it can be something that can become very very, very serious, very quickly, especially in someone who's under active treatment. So what are the signs? What am I looking for? Uh, you know, if I'm concerned if I, uh, about, the, about the flu, about an infection, about a, what are some of those signs that I should be looking for, Alice, in terms of checking my temperature, in terms of things like that? Well, the general rule of thumb that we fall under um, when we have someone who's in active treatment is if they have a temperature of 104, 100, excuse me, 100.4 or 100.5, um, some of the references vary as far as that's concerned. The CDC has some terrific new resources that they just mm-hmm. put up on their website recently about preventing infection um, for people okay. who have cancer. Um, but general things that people need to look at are, you know, obviously fever, cough, sore throat, um, you know, runny or stuffy nose the body aches, the headache, the chills. Um, Sometimes the only symptom is increased fatigue. You have to remember that if you're on active treatment, you may have a very um, low white blood cell count, so your body may not actually be able to mount some of those other responses. You may not get, um, you know, that that cough or that, um, you know, runny and stuffy nose that you may have classically gotten when you've um, had the flu. Um, It's also possible that some people actually can develop um, gastrointestinal systems. They may have vomiting and diarrhea, and mm-hmm. the, flu, the flu changes. Um, you know, people have to realize that when flu vaccines are manufactured from year to year, it's basically the scientific best guess as to what types of viruses are going to be out there, um, but viruses are very, very smart, and they do change. They mutate, and so some of the, the types of flu that circulate are different from year to year. Now, the, the shot this year, Alice, is a, is a combined uh, it's a combined shot for two uh, types of can- to two types of, of, of flus. Is it? Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, this is basically what we talk about as classic influenza, and then also the H1N1 that has certainly gotten a lot of press um, in the last few years because it had become, you know, a really serious um, public health threat. Yeah, so it's a combination of for the seasonal flu and then the H1N1, the, the and that's generally if you get a flu shot this yeah. season, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, that's correct. It's also very important for people to remember too that there are different types of inoculations for flu. Um, when you um, are undergoing cancer treatment or are even still immunocompromised from treatment, it's very important that you get the flu shot and not the flu mist. The flu mist is actually a live virus, so it mm. is very important that. 
um, people who are, you know, undergoing cancer treatment or recovering from cancer not get that um, flu mist. They have family members that could get that, um, but they themselves shouldn't be getting that. And it's also if you're in a household where you're someone who um, is recovering from a bone marrow or a stem cell transplant or you're getting very, very high-dose intense chemotherapy, then you need to sort of put that idea of that flu mist aside because that's really Mm. not a safe thing. Great advice. And I just want to uh, reference that CDC website uh, that you uh, mentioned, Alice. Uh, it is um, preventcancerinfections.org, um, and I think it is a great site that we can send people to. So, so in terms of prevention, so we talked about getting the flu shot and the importance of, of uh, everybody in the home, everyone in the household getting the flu shot. So if I'm a caregiver, one of the best things I can do for the patient that I'm caring for is to make sure everybody in the home gets that flu shot. What are some other prevention um, techniques uh, that are out there, Alice, just everyday things that, uh, that we can do to, to, uh, to prevent infection that folks should know about. It's a classic thing that probably your mother told you is wash your hands. And, you know, mm-hmm. it sounds very cliche, but it's really a very, very important thing. And, you know, you may sort of see some people around who um, look like they're a little bit um, uh, over-concerned because they're the people who are constantly getting out some antiseptic wipes or even the hand sanitizer that you see people carrying around. But it's very important. Um, you know, as we travel through our day, there are mm-hmm. so many surfaces that we come in contact with that have germs, doorknobs, banisters, um, obviously public restrooms. So it's really important to make sure you're washing your hands very often um, and using those hand sanitizers if you can't get to soap and water. Um, things like, you know, keeping your, your hands away from your eyes and your nose, uh, keeping mm-hmm. your fingers away from your mouth. Um, you know, we often see kids now are taught in daycare and in school that you cough into your elbow rather than cough into your open hands. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah simple things, but very, very important. Um, staying away from people who are sick. Um, at least six feet is thought to be what's the safe distance, um, for instance, you know, for colds and yeah. flu. There are yeah. other things like chicken pox, for instance, that are airborne. Um, but trying to stay away from small kids if you have the option to do it, because certainly uh, elementary schools and daycare settings, germs come home from those places um, very, very readily. Yeah. It's also important for people to be prepared. You know, we talk about sort of emergency preparedness. Uh, if, we, if you lived in an area of the country where you keep an earthquake kit in the trunk of your car, um, yeah. a lot of us don't have to worry about that, but what we should think about is keeping things on hand that we would use. I don't think there's, you know, much that's more frustrating than, especially if you're someone who's dealing with cancer, that, you know, all of a sudden you feel yourself coming down with something and then you look in the cabinet and you don't have... Um, yeah and honey, you don't have soup available, you don't have yes. um, the normal cold remedies, so trying to plan ahead. Plan ahead, yeah, yeah. and be and prepared for that. Yeah. And I know a lot of those things do go on sale now this season, you know, um, so it's a good time to think about that and, and to plan for those things. And they must be, they must be teaching hand-washing in, in the schools because I have a three-year-old niece who insists that every time we wash our hands, we sing happy birthday two times right. through. Yep. <laughs> and and um, she does there's, there are cons and hand-washing in her 
elbow. So they're <laughs> uh, yeah, it's throughout healthcare institutions, and we we sort of all look at each other, you know, saying, well, we all know how to wash our hands, but then again, if we got it right all the time, we wouldn't need all these continual reminders. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, we have a three-year-old reminding us uh, <laughs> of these uh, of these important techniques. Um, uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer. Today we're talking about cancer care uh, in the winter. We certainly know that the holidays and 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 the winter season uh, can be a hectic time uh, and an exhausting time. And we know uh, certainly that cancer patients face uh, you know added pressure and demand of treatment. Uh, they're dealing with things like cancer fatigue, like uh, infection, uh, and a heightened risk of catching a cold, catching a flu. Certainly, um, uh, some of these uh, treatments can compromise the immune system um, of a person with cancer. And uh, we're talking today uh, and providing some uh, helpful information and tips about, you know, how to manage the emotional aspects of dealing with cancer uh, in the winter, dealing with some of those, uh, you know, typical winter blues, which can certainly be intensified um, by a diagnosis of cancer and uh, also getting some great tips and information from Alice uh, about how to um, manage some of the, the, uh, the, the, the physical uh, and medical elements of, of trying to avoid uh, cold and flu and, and uh, keeping track of your symptoms and even looking for ways that we can prevent those uh, things from happening. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back. to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355. Or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today I'm joined by Michelle Warren, the Program Director at Gilda's Club Metro Detroit, and Alice Beers, an oncology nurse at the Lombardi Cancer Center at Georgetown University Hospital. We've had a great discussion today about how to stay mentally and physically healthy 
through the winter season. If you are someone with cancer or living with someone, uh, caring for someone with cancer. In our final segment, I want to hear from our guests about their advice for those living with cancer who want to follow through with a New Year's resolution. Uh, it's something we all think about in January. Um, and uh, certainly our, our uh, you know, friends, family, neighbors with cancer are no different. Um, you know, the side effects sometimes from, from treatment and from all the things you, you're, you know, you're dealing with through cancer experience can maybe making follow, make following through on those New Year's resolutions sometimes challenging. And so um, I know our guests will bring us some insight uh, in, in, uh, into this issue. Michelle, we've, we've discussed uh, 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 fatigue and, you know, some of the challenges, uh, other challenges that come along with a cancer diagnosis. So if I'm in active treatment, let's say, I'm, you know, I want to create some New Year's uh, resolutions. It's something I've done in the past. Uh, how, how do I think about that as someone with cancer? I would say having very, um, starting with small, simple goals, mm-hmm. something that can be attainable if it's going to be, sometimes I will sit within the community and people will say, you know, they're just newly diagnosed, they're going to completely change their diet, they're only going to eat, you know, green leafy vegetables and that's it. Very extreme kind of from where they were. And we really try to encourage people, you know, maybe that's going to be something that you want to do in the future, but start small so that you can have some success in changing Mm -hmm. some aspect that you do want to change. I would like to say, you know, that I, after being in the community for so long, working with people with cancer, that there was A equals B, and I knew that if you did this, your outcome was going to be fantastic. But I don't know that there is an A equals B all the time. So trying to have some way to feel that you're empowered and that you have some control over how your cancer journey is going can be really powerful for people. Yeah. Um, you know, Alice, I know we all, uh, you know, indulge in those holiday goodies. Seems like there are, you know, always treats around uh, over the holidays and that, that tempt all of us. But, um, uh, you know, as we look at these, uh, you know, New Year, New Year's resolutions, um, tell us about the importance of maintaining, a, you know, a healthy diet and, and exercise uh, regimen th- uh, throughout treatment. I mean, you know, what, what do we know about that and the, and the impact, uh, you know, on a person with cancer or on a survivor? Well, I think one of the basic uh, generalities that we try to teach patients is the importance of drinking water. And it sounds Mm -hmm. very simple, but it's really an important thing. Um, Actually, fatigue can often be relieved by drinking water. Um, trying to flush toxins out of your body that come from treatment or just as your body is trying to um, cope with cancer cells in general can be flushed through with water. And that can sometimes be a challenge because not everybody is a water drinker. Um, You know, I mentioned my dad who's had multiple myeloma for, you know, several years and he just never was a water drinker and I'm probably convinced that he never will be a water drinker, but (laughs) we get on his case nonetheless. Um, You know, a healthy diet is really important always, and we have to teach people um, new aspects when they're going through treatment about things like food safety. You know, how many of us, um, you know, go out to a restaurant and bring home leftovers, or we have somebody that drops off food for us, and we, you know, put it in the refrigerator, and then we kind of say, not really sure what day I put that in there, or, you know, how long it's been, And, and actually we have some information that really if you're, you know, undergoing active treatment, you shouldn't have those things sitting around for actually more than 48 hours. So, you know, even just putting a little, you know, getting a marker out and writing on it um, when it yeah. went in the refrigerator as a reminder to yourself. 
it's also very important to, you know, have a balance and try to teach people that, you know, anything in a moderate amount is okay. It's just sometimes, and I've seen this happen, people get into the mindset saying, well, you know, my doctor told me I need to gain weight, and so they kind of go overboard um, mm-hmm. with a lot of, you know, very high-fat foods. Um, or sometimes people say, hey, you know, I've got cancer, and I don't, I'm not really sure if I'm going to have the opportunity to eat that again, um, you know, in the coming months, so I'm going to eat it now. Um, again, it's all about, you know, balance and moderation and, you know, not beating yourself up if you um, make a slip. Uh, we yeah. all, yeah, we all get into that, you know, okay, it's a new year and I'm going to try to be superhuman, but, you know, sometimes that's not really an attainable goal, as Michelle was saying, making sure that you've got, um, you know, some knowledge of how your diet can impact your treatment, but making sure that you're pursuing um, new dietary goals in the new year in a safe way. Um, you know, Michelle, I, I know you were talking, we were talking earlier about this, you know, idea that cancer is a, you know, can be a wake-up call and, 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 you know, lead us to some changes um, in our lives. You know, I've certainly observed that cancer survivors, to me, seem to be a, a, an audience that's very interested in, in some behavior changes. And we certainly don't know what causes a significant percentage of cancers, uh, you know, in our country, but I think, you know, we're learning certainly more about the impact of, of diet, the impact of exercise, um, and, and I, you know, I've certainly been seeing more and more cancer survivors as a really attentive audience on some of these, some of these prevention opportunities and some of these lifestyle change uh, opportunities. Do you start to see that, uh, you know, in the new year? Because I know we offer so many wonderful kind of exercise programs, nutrition classes, and do we see kind of a bump in interest in those in the new year around these resolutions? Oh, we, absolutely we do. We have a are lectures that are related to nutritional aspects, either in making small changes or what does a macrobiotic diet look like or how to increase um, supplements into your diet. All of those things are really quite uh, powerful and well attended by our members to be able to get more information. In making you know, New Year's resolutions, anything that you can do that's going to help your body be as healthy as it can be, whether you're going through treatment right now or if you're in remission, or if you're a family member or friend, you want to maintain that healthy body the best that you can as well. So I think any time that you're going to be making those changes, either small or major, is going to be it, it is, um, important for you and for your family. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Alice, I know one of the things we see sometimes are, are uh, folks who've been diagnosed with cancer who want to quit smoking. Um, do you do you see some patients there who want to want to quit smoking and want to engage in, in in some of those kinds of behavior change activities? Um, absolutely, and I've also actually seen some people who take the opportunity of their cancer diagnosis to try to get a family member to quit smoking. Um, yeah, and that's that can be very challenging um, when people are under um, going the process of a life-threatening illness. Taking away smoking, which might have been their way that they coped with stress, um, mm-hmm. can be very challenging. But you know, it's it's a matter of looking at you know whether you're ready, um, whether you have the support to do so, and do you have a plan to stop smoking? Because very few people, I think, are successful if they just make a decision, say, okay, you know, today at four o'clock, that's my last cigarette ever. 
Um, it, you know, that can be very challenging. But and it's it's like uh, any other addiction. It's there are different methods that are successful for different people, and right. it's you know, we have to make sure that we've got lots of different options available um, to help people who are interested in smoking, or again, who are interested in in helping a family member stop smoking. And so that's a good topic, Alice, that people can bring up with their healthcare professional to say, hey, you know, this is a, a behavior change that I'm interested in or for, my, for me, for myself, for, for, you know, for a loved one, and maybe get some good advice from your healthcare professional on the steps to take and some of the resources that are available for that. Yeah, the American Lung Association actually has a, a great um, a piece that was uh, put on their website last week. It's basically, you know, looking at the new year and looking for smoking cessation um, help and you know, and there are a lot of great free resources out there, even planning guides. The uh, National Cancer Institute has things that can be um, ordered through their website that are free, as well as the CDC. Um, you know, there are lots of resources available, and sometimes mm-hmm. we just have to help people find what those resources are. And, Alice, we're, we're almost to the end of the show here, but um, it, if I'm in active treatment, I want to make some small changes, some small steps, some small resolutions. Just a couple tips, Alice, on, on, on what someone in that situation can do. Again, as Michelle said, don't, have your, don't overwhelm yourself. Don't bite off more than you can chew. But what are some small changes that I, that I can make to, to lead to some of that behavior change? I think one of the most important things is for people to recognize that normal changes And that um, a lot of people going through um, the cancer experience will say, I can't wait until I feel normal again. I can't wait to get back to normal. Um, And it's not just, you know, what am I going to look like when my hair grows back? And what people have to recognize is that what normal is changes for us regardless of whether or not we have cancer. You know, you have a different level of energy when you're staying up all night and studying in college than you do when you're in your 40s or your 50s. And so that's an important thing to help people recognize is is that normal is going to change. And, you know, what worked in the past may be something that you have to look at differently as you go um, into your future. And finding that new normal, which is a phrase we use a lot at at CSC, is, you know, finding that new normal for yourself and calibrating (laughs) uh, appropriately to to the the changes in your body and and, and the changes that you've experienced uh, uh, emotionally. This, uh, ladies, has been a fantastic show, really a helpful conversation, I think, for folks thinking about dealing with cancer through the winter, New Year's resolutions, uh, uh, lifting our spirits as we look towards the spring. Uh, So I really appreciate you joining me today for Frankly Speaking about cancer. It's, it's been very meaningful, um, and uh, I, I, uh, I'm sure that our listeners gained some helpful tips today on how to stay healthy um, um, through the winter season. We want to dedicate the show today to all of our listeners who are living with cancer and working towards the New Year's resolution goal, whether it's to, to, to quit smoking, learn something new, eat healthier, exercise more. We at CSC really commend your efforts uh, to lead a healthier life, and, and we wish you um, uh, the best of luck with that in the new year. Um, to learn more about uh, our affiliate, Gilda's Club Metro Detroit, and all of the wonderful things they're doing, uh, you can check them out at gildasclubmetrodetroit.org. Uh, uh, Here at the Cancer Support Community, we've got a lot of great resources at no cost uh, to you. We've got, frankly speaking, about cancer treatment and side effects. Uh, it's a free booklet and a journal to help track your side effects and, and, and monitor some of those issues around infection that we talked about earlier. Uh, we also have a wonderful uh, book for caregivers. Uh, we have a whole 
whole series of books for caregivers, frankly speaking, uh, about Cancer Spotlight, uh, 10 Tips for Caregivers, and also a piece on supporting someone from a distance with cancer. We also have a great piece on coping with the cost of care. We talked about some of the pressures that the new year may bring in coping with the cost of care. So visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org to learn about our 57 centers, to learn about our resources, to make a donation, um, and uh, uh, to find a CSC in your area. Thanks for joining us today for Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. <music>